The Sermon from St. John's of Hancock, Minnesota, for June twentieth, 2010. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The sermon theme today is The Lion of Judah Reigns. Part 1, He is the Slaughtered Lamb. Part 2, He is the Universal King. And our minds and hearts are directed today by the word of our Lord recorded in Revelation chapter 5, a portion of the vision of heaven that the Apostle John was given. And in the right hand of him who sits on the throne, I saw a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel loudly proclaim, Who is worthy to unroll the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could unroll the scroll or look into it was weeping much because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or or look into it. One of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered and is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw a lamb as though slain, standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. The years had weighed heavy on him. Oh, he had times of joy, but but the heartaches just seemed so great. He had lost his beloved wife as she gave birth to his youngest son. And some years later, how he nearly died that day that those bloody clothes, the only remains of another loved son, were brought to him. What joy, though, years later, when it was found that that son was still alive and well, and though he was already now The father was an old man. He needed to go and see that son before he died, though it was a long journey. What a reunion that was. Now 17 more years have passed. He is aged and frail, barely able to pull himself up into bed, but there is one more task that he must do. He needs to bless each of his sons, speaking words a prophecy over them. And as he comes to his fourth oldest, this is what he says. You are a lion's cub, O Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs. And the obedience of the nations is his. And when Jacob had finished blessing each of his sons, he pulled up his feet, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. Joseph and his brothers took the body of their father out of Egypt and buried it in the cave of Machpelah in Canaan, 
alongside Abraham and Isaac. But what about those words he had spoken to Judah? You are a lion's cub. They were only a small band of of, of foreigners living in the land of Goshen in Egypt. And when they did become more numerous, Pharaoh enslaved them. Where was the lion of Judah? And the great deliverer who led them out of Egypt to the promised land, he wasn't from Judah. Moses was from the tribe of Levi. And when the Israelites chose their first king, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Where was the lion of Judah? Then came David. David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Hezron, the son of Aminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Perez, the son of Judah. David, anointed by the prophet, champion over Goliath, victor against the Philistines. Yes, this David became king. He held the royal scepter. Was he the one foretold here? The scepter will not depart from Judah until he comes to whom it belongs? No. No, he wasn't the one, but he was a shadow, a foreshadowing of the line of Judah who was to come. Yes, those were glory days as David reigned on the throne in Jerusalem and his son Solomon after him. But then then the tree began to wither. After Solomon, the kingdom divided and the smaller portion went to David's family line. And even though David had a descendant on the throne in Jerusalem for several centuries, it all came to an end. The dynasty fell in 586 B.C. Babylon destroyed Jerusalem and carried the people, including David's descendants, into exile. And when the people returned from exile 70 years later, there was no one from David's family line who sat on that throne in Jerusalem as had been done in the days of old. David's family tree was a dead stump. But from those roots, long dead and buried, From those roots, a shoot springs up. It springs up from a virgin who lived in the area of Nazareth. How weak and lowly that shoot appears as he is laid in a manger in Bethlehem. But that shoot, dear friends, that lowly shoot from the root of David is the Lion of Judah. But how can that be? It seems so contradictory. To answer that, though, we need to contemplate a greater, another mystery. The mystery that this line of Judah is also the lamb, the slaughtered and slain lamb. Think about that. How can one be both a lion who is mighty and victorious and a slaughtered lamb, weak and defeated? But that's what John saw here, isn't it? As we look at those words recorded here. Behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah, and I saw a lamb as though slain. Ponder that mystery. Consider Jesus' life here on this earth. 
as he walked those dusty roads of Palestine, did he appear lion-like? Oh, he had some moments where his, his power was displayed. He commanded the winds and the waves. He drove out demons. He healed the sick. He, he taught with authority, and he exercised authority when he drove out the money changers from the temple. But, but who were his followers? Were they soldiers armed for battle, mighty warriors? Or the lowly, the outcast, the poor? not too lion-like. And then he stands there before Caiaphas and Pilate, bloodied, beaten, mocked, and ridiculed. Even a lion with its, sha- with its mane shaved and tied down in humiliation would appear nobler than Jesus did there. But he did not cry out against this injustice. No lion-like roar, not even a whimper. He only opened his mouth to confess who he was. And then the cross and his cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His limp, dead body hanging there, pierced by the spear. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. Isaiah 53. Yes, dear friends, for your transgressions and mine, he was stricken as a slaughtered lamb. For he is the sacrifice that atones for you and me. He is the substitute who takes our place. He is the scapegoat that carries away our blame. Yes, He, the spotless, blameless Lamb of God, was stricken for our transgressions. For each thought that crosses the line from pure into the impure, for every transgression He was stricken, The lamb was slain. For each action that does not meet God's grade of perfect love and kindness, for every transgression he was stricken. The lamb was slain. He was slaughtered for you and for me, for our sins in our place. But it's not a dead lamb that John sees, is it? Yes, this lamb truly had died. It had been dead. But now what John sees is a lamb alive. And not only alive, but standing there, standing on the throne. For you see, dear friends, this lamb that was slaughtered, this lamb is the Lion of Judah. He reigns. He reigns victoriously, for he has conquered. He has overcome. He has won the victory. Death's defeated. Satan's crushed. Sins are forgiven. For the slaughtered lamb is the Lion of Judah. He has conquered. And thanks be to God. He gives us the victory. For he is the Lion of Judah. Because he lives, we too shall live. 
He has risen from the dead because you are justified in God's courtroom for the sacrificial blood of the slaughtered lamb washes you clean from all sins. Yes, the lamb who was slain is now the lamb who reigns. He is the lion of Judah. The lion of Judah reigns. He is the universal king. And this takes us into the second part here today. And often I think when we picture Jesus as the universal king, we think of him reigning everywhere. And that's true. But there's more to it than that. He not only reigns in all places, he also reigns over all time. That's one of the truths pictured as John watches this vision of heaven un- and un- unfold. And so let's, let's go back to Revelation 4 and 5 and, and see this truth. As the vision begins in Revelation chapter 4, John sees a door open in heaven and he hears a voice say, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And then he sees the dazzling rainbow-encircled throne and the glassy sea as clear as crystal before the throne. The four living creatures surround the throne and we proclaim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the 24 elders fall down and worship him who sits on the throne. And then as chapter 5 begins, John sees that in the hand, the right hand of the one who sits on the throne is a scroll, a scroll with writing on both sides. This scroll contains those things that, as John was told, must take place after this. Yes, all of God's Prophecies and their fulfillments are recorded there, all of time and history written. Nothing left out, for that scroll is filled on both sides. But it is sealed. And there is no one who can open it. Not even the holy angels are worthy to open it, much less us sinful mortals. Does that mean that those promises of God will fail since the scroll is sealed? How can it be opened and and fulfilled? No wonder John began to weep. And so would have we. But take heart, dear friends. Take heart, for there is one who is worthy. For just as the elder spoke to John, So also God's word speaks to you and me and tells us, Behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered and is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Yes, Jesus, the lion of Judah, takes that scroll in his hands. He breaks the seals. He opens it. The future belongs to him. Let that picture take deep roots in your heart. For this picture brings us great comfort as we live our daily lives. For you and I, we don't know what the future holds. We can't read the scroll. And so what do we so often do? We worry, don't we? We worry about ourselves, our family, our friends. (laughs) 
and maybe we work and work and work some more because we don't know what might happen tomorrow. So often we, we cling to our money for security against what might happen or we can do the opposite too. We spend our money loosely figuring I better live it up today because who knows whether I'll be around tomorrow. How many of our daily choices and decisions are driven by uncertainty of what tomorrow might bring? And that's not a pleasant way to live, is it? Driven by worry. Take to heart this picture, dear friends. Let it grow deep in your heart as you see the line of Judah, Jesus Christ, taking that scroll. He holds the future in his hands. He opens it. He controls it. And remember who that line of Judah is. He is the Lamb, the slaughtered Lamb who was slain for you. He has done that for you in the past. Don't you think He will see you through into the future as well? So why worry? And don't let your work be driven by worry either. Rather, whatever you do, whether work or play, whether a chore or for fun, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do it in thanks that looks back and sees that the Lamb has saved you And do it in trust that the lion will take care of you. And don't look to money for security or as a source for happiness. Who but the lion of Judah can truly keep you safe for time and for eternity. For he reigns over all. He has conquered all. And who but the line of Judah can truly bring you happiness that knows no end? For he is the universal king. He not only reigns in every place over everyone and everything, he also reigns over time itself. He holds the scroll in his hands and reigns over all for you. Let that picture comfort you. You see, only as we let this picture grow in our hearts and look to Jesus as the line of Judah who who has saved us and who will keep us safe, only then can we make our choices and decisions that truly begin to place God first. First in our lives, first in our homes, first in our budgets, first in our families, first in our congregations, first in all that we say and do. Yes, we, we, we still, because of our sinful nature, will struggle with our worries. But then we need to turn all the more to the Lamb and the Lion who holds the scroll. And our lives, too, will have their ups and downs, their joys and heartaches, just, just as Jacob's did. And just as Jacob had his times of doubt and his times of strength, so do you and I. But through it all, Jacob kept looking forward to that Savior who would come through the line of his son, Judah. And so also, dear friends, keep your heart focused on the Savior who has come. Keep your heart focused on the Lion of Judah who reigns victoriously. Amen.
the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.